So we've just seen our first ever gravel world championships event last weekend in Italy. And what a race it was, or wasn't. Now to help me discuss what went down at the weekend, I'm delighted to be joined by Ben Delaney and Matthew Page. Now Ben is a longtime journalist and now a YouTuber based in Boulder, Colorado, and definitely has his finger firmly on the pulse of gravel racing and events in the US. While Matt is a former full-time endurance racer who is now the organizer of some of the UK's largest off-road cycling events, including Gripfest and Battle on the Beach. So let me put my headphones on and we'll dive in. So gents, uh, great to see you both. Thanks for taking time to join me today to talk about gravel and UCI. So Ben, we'll start with you. Do you think the UCI managed to capture the spirit of gravel with their first event at the weekend? There is a lot of room for improvement. You know, I'm not a complete naysayer. I'm not a, you know, if the UCI is involved and the sky is falling and they're evil and run away. But there, uh, there's a lot of improvement to be made on what the UCI is doing. And, and furthermore, I don't think it's an either or of the UCI taking over gravel. So I think the spirit of gravel, Dave, lives on and lives in, in many places in many different uh, configurations. That's a relief. And, uh, and Matt, as an organizer of successful and popular gravel events, what's your take on how the event went down for you side the weekend? Um, I guess for me, there's probably two things that they were missing. I mean, there's, there's the course, which uh, I've never seen a gravel course like it. Um, but probably the, the main thing is is the lack of just your average rider. Um, for me, like the, the whole spirit of gravel, like you say, it's just about getting everyone at an event. Like it's fine to have races, you know, have winners and make it like that. But for me, the biggest thing is just having that big variety of riders. And you see that in the US, you know, you get hundreds, thousands. And uh, yeah, it's not all about the winning. Yeah, I, I, th- I think there's there's two main fails. Um, and, you know, overall context is, you know, if people put on a party, they can put it on however they like, Right. Uh, and I think that's one of the beauties of gravel is that, you know, I've got a sticker here from Easton, like, is this gravel? Like, there's always the question, like, well, what's, what is gravel? Is this gravel? Is that gravel? Is that a gravel bike? Is this a gravel race? Is that a gravel rider? Even like, that's part of the fun is that it's, it's wild and woolly and undefined. But yeah, two, two main fails from my perspective from the UCI gravel worlds. One, the women's race was a different distance. You know, it felt like a 1980s throwback of like dudes and dudes, you know, males. What, what, what? And so that that was a sentiment I heard expressed in various ways with various amounts of curse words in the after the course was announced. Like what, what why? Like you know, Christy Moan, who runs Unbound Gravel, put it best. Like it's it's not so hard. Like you already have a course. <laughs> so you know that was that was a fail. The second was it failed to capture the imagination. I feel like in that. You know, I was joking that it was like the bike path world championships and that, uh, you know, a lot of the course was either on roads or just on bike paths. And it was funny what, watching the Eurosport coverage and those guys do a great job announcing what they're saying. Oh, this could inspire people to get out there and, you know, ride the bike paths. So like, that's what we all do all the time. Like people ride bike paths, like their bike passes, not that. Um, yeah, for me, it, it failed to be a showcase for what gravel is and can be and didn't really excite people especially people probably new to gravel or people who are watching who aren't familiar with gravel in the way we are and they probably came away with more of a cynical view than they had going into it perhaps before seeing a very tame course around bike paths and it it did look pretty i mean italy is very pretty in the riding but the riding didn't live up to what i was hoping it would live up to and, and really showcase gravel being this amazing exciting challenging uh, thing that it actually is Agreed. Agreed. And yeah, I understand, you know, putting on events as Matt can well attest, it's, it's, that's a challenge in and of itself. Right. Um, and often at the UCI level, when you're doing pro races, money dictates a lot of it. You know, it's not what's the absolute best course. It's like, okay, which town will pay to have host the start, which town will pay to host the finish. And like, mm, there's your course, which is not the most exciting way to go about things. And which I think highlights what is so cool about, amateur gravel events is that it's the opposite thing you can get people like matt who are asking the question okay what would be the raddest thing we could do like what would be the craziest course the most beautiful course let's do that 
not that he can always pull that off or promoters can always pull that off, but like that's, that's where it starts, you know, um, with the excitement of like capturing the imagination. I think, you know, I did not that this is gravel. Well, maybe what is gravel? What is gravel? You know, I did Matt's the monster sportive in Wales years ago. And that captured my imagination as a, you know, a big, hairy kind of scary event. Um, if like something that you can daydream about for a while and you want to go do with your friends and it's like a somewhat exotic thing. I think that's, that's closer to the spirit of gravel than doing hot laps around the city. And yeah, sure. You know, circuits are good for fans, but like a circuit race, I've never done or heard of a gravel race that had circuits in it. Like, I guess Kermess you could see the issues that brought up at the end when the, the men's races in particular you had lots of people lapping or not lapping but you know passing other age groups and things like that and it's just yeah it, <laughs> it didn't look good wasn't very good that, that, that part uh, that that was making me laugh out loud because that does seem like uh, I don't know about spirit of gravel but that is exactly what happens at many big gravel races at least in North America, where you've got multiple distances uh, with often the courses overlapping. And so you'll have, um, you know, like steamboat gravel or unbound gravel. You've got, you know, guys like Ivar Slick and Jasper Oakland, these like super fat, you know, the front of the race is coming in over the top of shorter distances that are finishing earlier. And I think that helps keep the whole thing humble. Yes, there are some people that are taking this very seriously and competing, but it's really a recreational event for the masses, and and so that that I that oddly enough felt true spirit of gravel, <laughs> if so you would. So you're rubbing shoulders as they come flying past you, sort yeah. Of thing. <laughs> yeah. So is, we, that, is that is that the best idea for world championships? Perhaps not, but like that yeah. that did feel like yeah. This is gravel is often a mix of all these different calibers altogether and that's part of what makes it so cool um, although at worlds you know there was the start looked completely different you know an unbound or a steamboat or a belgian waffle ride it's this like stampede of thousands of people all together good idea bad idea or otherwise like that's how those things start and that's part of the attraction i think is is you can take the start line with peter sagan or tiffany cromwell or whatever like you're not going to be there with them at the end but like every Everybody, it's a shared experience at the start. And I think, you know, chapter two, verse four of the spirit of the book of the spirit of gravel, that's, that's, that's part of the thing, right? Like it, it's a, a shared experience. So, so seeing the, the gravel world start where there's just, you know, 40 or 50 people, it looked pretty dinky. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know you, you mentioned then about the UCI and I was involved before in a bid to try and get a, a World Cup to South Wales. And, you know, we, I think it was a brilliant venue and that. But when they got there, they basically said that you're too far away from an, air, from an airport. You can't have a World Cup here. And I don't know if that's potentially going to be a big factor for, for gravel events. When you think if you've got to be near a city, then, you know, most of the good riding that I'm aware of is quite far away from an airport. And just seems a bit short-sighted for well, for gravel especially i would imagine and uh yeah having having it in a city or or near a city just seems a bit yeah short-sighted i would i would say i guess we we don't know the UCI reason for all the decision they made for the event but do you think they were restricted by uh filming it access for the motorbikes filming it and also put on a spectacle for the spectators to watch it more easily having laps by the US, gravel races are out in the middle of nowhere, probably difficult to spectate and probably tricky to film, I guess. And maybe the UCI were restricted by trying to you know, do an event in a way they do a road racing, but on gravel rather than being yeah. out in the middle of the mountains. Yeah. They did it around town. Yeah, I think that word spectate is is a key thing of is this a is gravel a participatory thing? Yeah. Or is it a spectator sport? And you know, up at this point it's been entirely a participatory thing. And it's gathered such momentum that yeah the uci is now interested you know <clears throat> some events have you know gone the other way not like people 
you know, road racing has been a lot of trickle down to what amateurs are doing, but this is completely the opposite of it. Like it was a participatory thing and has been getting so much attention and participation that now it's UCI wants to make it a spectator thing. And you know, think about things like the tour de France started as something created for newspaper, like that format worked well to capture the imagination when you were reading about the highlights later like thinking about people riding around the entire country over these massive mountains. Like that's, that's epic, right? Would you want to watch every minute of that? No. I think if the tour was created now in the, in in the day and age of, you know, live stream, that would not be the format. It would be a shorter thing. So, you know, similarly, uh, what is now called unbound gravel was not created thinking like, what would be the coolest thing for people to watch for, 14 hours like that that was not the idea you know it was just like a challenge among friends of like what would be the craziest thing we could go and do ourselves and and yeah trying to you know unbound tried to film you know and capture the 2021 edition live and that was just epic fail uh, in, in part because there was no cell service out on the course. So there was like nothing to show. And even if you could see people pedaling for 10 hours, like that wasn't happening. But, um, but again, like that's from a participatory thing, like going way out into the boonies, like that's a part of the attraction. And it's not about how you look on TV or, <laughs> um, so that, yeah, that does bring uh, an interesting facet. And it was funny, the coverage and, it sort of felt, Dave, like the, the footage you and I will bring back from events, like GoPro following behind. It was like lots of shots of butts. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of uh, a road face, event yeah. where the cameras are on the backs of motorbikes facing right, yeah, because yeah. obviously you don't want a bunch of dust being kicked up at the front of the race. So it was just made for kind of amateurish coverage and that there's like some guy in the back of a I hadn't thought about that, from behind. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it, actually. Because like, normally like road racing, you're watching from the front, aren't you? You're seeing into the into her eyes but here you just don't have butt the whole time down the yeah. tow path <laughs> along the side of canal so i don't talk about it so i think like to your point about tour of france unbound it lacked ambition the event it lacked they're clearly trying to put on a kind of easy to film spectacle the men's race lasted five hours just over and done with fairly quickly so it lacked the ambition of the events i guess they are worried about putting on a, a show rather than something for the people taking part to uh, come away with amazing memories um, I mean, men's race lasts five hours. Unbound is more like 10, 12 hours, 200 miles. Do you think the race was too short as well? And the men and women's race should be the same um, distance. I think that's something we can agree on for sure. Yes. Do you think the race is too short? Should be longer? I think it should be longer and should be harder and it should be more captivating. You know, like that's, that, that, that was like the main element that it was missing. And, and you know, Matt, I'm sure can, appreciate this more than I can, but like the, you know, safety of riders is a thing, right? Like, and that's sometimes at, at, at odds with like, let's make this the most epic challenging thing ever. Like race against dragons into the fire. Like you, you don't want to hurt people. Like maybe their feelings, but like not a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Teeny bit. Yeah. Um, you know, so we think about like, you know, some of the cobbled road classics, right. Of like, okay, maybe going down the Kimmelberg in the rain is a bad idea. Let's switch it around. So they climb the Kimmelberg. So you get that epic challenge, but then the descent is on pavement, still pretty hairy, but it's not, you know, it's like a lower chance of just smashing people's bones. So similarly, like uh, one thing I appreciated with the, the uh, climbs, you know, the first two climbs were like the only climbs in this course is it was dirt and then it was a paved descent. And, you know, is that spirit of gravel? Maybe not, but like, World Championships when everybody's full throttle having the first descent be paved. Maybe that's not a bad choice for safety, but again, just like having people race on roads and bike paths was just not inspiring to watch. And it doesn't say like, this is like ultimate challenge from which the world's best will emerge. You know, like the men's race was sort of negative tactics of like a local road race if like a couple guys went up the road there weren't teams big enough to chase and then that so that that stuck like that's that's a different format than you know who can last the longest over this you know to to keep overusing the word epic like this epically long incredibly challenging 
course where like, yeah, clearly they were, they were the best and you know, not to take anything away from Johnny Vermeersh and uh, Daniel Oss, great, great guys, excellent high level bike racers for sure. I'm not saying like it was like an accidental win, but like, um, but when it comes to safety, like you put a race alongside Paris Bay, Paris Bay looks way more dangerous and way more brutal to an event that should in a what in many regards be harder than Paris Bay gravel, especially if it's really technical course should be tougher and harder and more of a challenge than Paris Bay, but it looked easy compared to Paris. It looked like a walk in the park, literally right? a walk yeah. in the park compared to Paris yeah, Bay. I, so I, something's going wrong there. I think if a gravel event is tamer, so Matt, if as an event organizer, I guess making the, the course tougher would be a start more hills, more rough terrain. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tricky because if you're saying, right, it's got to be hillier, then you're ruling out different parts of, of the world. But I think you could definitely make it harder. And and I'm sure if you if you told the average cyclist, right, we're going to hold the first ever gravel worlds and it's going to be in Italy. I bet they don't, most people, if not all people, would be thinking things like Strada Bianchi and having that, you know, big, iconic roads, uh, rolling terrain. Now that to, that to me is what I was expecting. Whereas you turn on the telly and yeah, it looked like they were riding on canal paths and doing little bits of single track here. Just and it just seemed like you're going off road just for the sake of going off road. Um, so it's I don't think it's so much about putting hills in, but it's just about finding the type of terrain that that suits this type of riding. And yeah, I'm not sure who designed the course and what experience they've had in gravel events before. But I say it just didn't, didn't capture my imagination when I was watching it. I think that's an excellent point of like, that's part, I think a big part of the, the attraction of gravel is yeah, inspired by not just what these people are doing, but the sense of place that you can come away with. And like, whether that's, you know, the Flint Hills of Kansas or, you know, or going to ride the clay roads outside of Stillwater for the mid south, like it's a pretty unique experience that you're like you got to be there to do that. It's not you know a parking lot crit is a parking lot crit is a parking lot crit anywhere in the world. Like that's part of why track racing, when we bless their hearts of these like elite level athletes, is boring as sin. It's like uh, you know, there's like there's no sense of place in track racing. But, you know, the Tour de France, the Giro d'Italia, both the Spania, like you get a sense of place and and all the, you know, the beauty and the challenge of, of those particular places on earth. And yeah, and Italy, like Matt was saying, is incredibly gorgeous. And yeah, Strada Bianca, great gravel race. David, to your point, Paris-Roubaix, Tour of Flanders, great gravel races. <laughs> gravel Worlds, not a great gravel race. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it brings us to the point like what is gravel and that's probably an impossible question to answer because it depends where you live and it's different everywhere and I think the UCL had probably some I don't know their rules about what the course should include it clearly too much road I think we can agree on what it lacked I guess can we come up with a template of what a gravel event should have that you can then replicate around the world because if you look at I think like Mountain Bike XC World Cup is a good example they go around the world different locations but they are a tough technical mountain bike course that's demanding but retains the character of that different place whether it's Italy or America where it might be so could we come up with a template for a gravel event a course that you could take around the world but would give you that spirit of gravel and be a good participation and a good spectacle start with you Ben as as a US based gravel chap yeah, you know, some of the points we've hit on, you know, sense of place, challenge, uh, ideally some dirt roads, so there is some gravel and gravel. Um, uh, and then accessibility in terms of, you know, the every woman, every man being able to do it. And so that's something that I think UCI did in some capacity was have age groupers there. You know, it was more like an Ironman sort of, you got to qualify and fork over a bunch of money to do so. So it was still not quite spirit of gravel. Like, you know, whoever gets in the lottery can show up and do it at whatever speed they want. And a lot of people aren't even doing it to, for 
the, the fast time. They're doing it for a good time. But, you know, I think it's, it's important that it's not just uh, professional racers. I yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think with Tour of Flanders, uh, Paris-Roubaix, they've they've both got public events that you can enter and go and do the course. And, you know, people actually want to go over and do it. And I think if they'd maybe had that on the Friday uh, beforehand, I think that would be a big thing. But then I guess you've got the challenges. Who's going to want to go out and do <laughs> the course that they had? Two laps on a bike path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like you said, capturing people's imagination would be key. And I think well, whoever designed the course probably hasn't seen, like, the gravel. Well, I guess you, you could say that America invented gravel because of the types of terrain they've got there. But, um, yeah, and different areas, different types of courses, but... There's just nothing that stood out that that I could say from the course of like, yes, I really want to go ride there because it looked good. Because okay, the, the the scenery from that the fort that was about it. They're all I can remember. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not good advert for either the location to go on holiday afterwards, or just to go and ride there, or even if you're not into gravel to take up gravel. Because that's the biggest thing for me is we saw road bikes with fat tires being used. And that shows how tame the course was. They weren't on 45 mil tires on gravel bikes with you know, comfort features. They're on road bikes, race bikes, which is a great advert for how capable those road bikes are now. You can fit gravel tires. But it does sort of make a mockery of gravel bikes and how popular they've become in the last few years that you can do it on a road bike. We did see, I think the women's racer was on a, on that new BMC gravel bike, but that's like a road bike basically, isn't it? If you were building a template for the perfect course, it would have to require you ride a 40 minimum tire. It, you saw I have a, a tire width size for CX, but nothing for gravel. That's a good question. Yet, I don't, I don't believe they do yet. I I'm think... sure they'll get down to regulating sock height and, <laughs> and mustache length before we know it. But <laughs> I think for the moment, there's not a, a tire width specification for gravel. But if yeah. you had a rule that you got a minimum of 40, then that might instill a course designer to create a course to actually put their tires you know, to good use. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'd, I'd agree with that. I think with mountain biking, the, the regulations are pretty open. And I'd probably go down the similar route for... Uh, for gravel and try not to have too many rules and things and maybe put the emphasis on the course designers then and i'm sure the people this weekend will have had some uh maybe not some abuse but some feedback that it was a bit too tame i mean if you're seeing road bikes at a gravel event is that is that a true gravel event um but yeah i, I think a lot of people would say don't regulate it too much because that's the beauty about gravel. It's not it's, the spirit of gravel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's a very good point. I think, yeah, I'm not into having rules. I think part of the appeal of gravel is you see so much customization and personalization of bikes and tires for different courses and different ride types in a way you don't see on road and maybe a bit more mountain biking, but um, you don't want to take away from that, having the right bike for the, uh, for the course. But it's still crazy seeing road bikes, race bikes being used and winning at gravel events. Agreed. Agreed. That that just underscored the bike path world championships nature. Like this wasn't a hard course, <laughs> but yeah. I, at the same time, I, I also many of us appreciate watching others or watching others fiddle with setups, trying to figure out what the best is, or doing it ourselves. And that's one thing. Like it's fun to talk about the spring classics, looking at how pro riders will fiddle with setups for Roubaix whether that's you know, putting sprint shifters in different places or messing with handlebar tape or, you know, tire widths and just, you know, that's, that's, that's fun. I think that's um, lacking from professional road racing in general, because it's, it's such a narrow uh, thing that is, that the common wisdom is agreed upon. Whereas gravel, there's no common wisdom. It's all up for debate and argument and experimentation. Yeah. Well, the, and, the, sorry, go on. Oh, and, and 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 to to Matthew's point about you know gravel capturing you know local flair and flavor, tweaking your setup for a particular course is part of the fun. Like what works at a Belgian waffle ride, where Michael Marks has been saying for years, this isn't a gravel race. This is like a faux 
European classic where it's mostly road bikes with some weird sections thrown in. Everything from that where it's a gravel race that Argo says not a gravel race up to you know something like an you know unbound that just eats tires. You know, the ideal setup will vary place to place, and that's part of the fun. That must make it incredibly tough for an organizer like UCI or any other event organizer, Matt, to create a, a route. They're going to keep everybody happy from experienced gravel riders and then roadies get into it and newbies trying to keep them all happy, but give them all the same challenge and reward. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to please everyone. Um, but I, I, maybe they didn't do their homework. I'm not, I'm not sure you look at the majority of gravel races around the world and I I don't think you'll find many if any that were like they were this weekend it was just I've not I've not seen anything like it put it that way <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah I don't know who who they asked about gravel events but not someone who who has seen many before I would I wouldn't have thought well Matthew how about this like not so much like what is what's the template for all gravel races but what template do you use when you're creating events? Like what are the, what are the main things you want to make sure are included for your events and what, what do your riders respond to is like, what, what brings people to your events? Um, well, I guess great fest. We try and vary it every year, but the, the key thing for me is that it needs to be, so if, if it's not won by someone on a gravel bike, then, it's not really a gravel bike event. So that's probably that's probably the main thing I try and go on is, so you wanna, for Gritfest, try and get the the climbing, the terrain, the downhills, all to, to suit that style of bike. I'm quite lucky the, the area that we've got to work on, we've got single track, we've got loads of big tracks and, uh, and forests. So it's, yeah, so I, I don't think there's a sort of one thing. It's a lot of, it's a mix of different things. But I think they they could probably have asked different people and done their homework a little bit better. It sounds like you got a bit of a formula there for getting the, the course balance right to really suit a gravel bike and allow a gravel bike to really uh, do well in that sort of terrain. The single track, the wide open tracks, the climbing, descending, that tricky uh, balance to get right. Yeah, well, like Gripfest, because of the laws that we've got in the UK, so that's a it's an actual race. So we we use time stages rather than like in the US they can just you know the whole thing is time. So we have time stages, and I just try and ensure that those stages are best suited to to gravel bikes. Um, you know we can put in single track and and things that are probably faster on a mountain bike normally, and some road obviously just to to get to the off road bits, but they're just not they're not timed. Um, but I don't think there is a a formula really but uh yeah i just <laughs> whoever whoever they asked for advice on the course i don't think has done many other gravel events I should have asked you instead <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's a good point though because in the uk there are various like, land access laws that you couldn't really do a 10-hour gravel race legally and call it a race whereas in the us obviously there's no you know, expansive countryside you can have a 10-hour race and nobody would bass an eyelid i guess would they and that might be the same problem across europe as well so finding areas where you can do a gravel race with no restrictions on the racing and the timing elements that must be quite a challenge for sure and a lot of the what allows a lot of the u.s races to do that is because it is um it's not a professional race right okay <laughs> like yeah. it's and like all the you know the websites make a point of saying hey rules of the road meaning don't run red lights you knuckleheads okay. um uh or i mean it's there the courses aren't quite as remote as you know the monster for instance where i remember matt saying okay there's no stop there's not a single stoplight here but there are a lot of sheep so watch out for sheep <laughs> um, <laughs> which yeah true enough there were a lot of sheep um uh, relying on like scouts honor for people to take care of themselves when crossing highways even though they're like very deserted county highways that's a fundamentally different proposition than uci professional race just assuming that of course every single corner is going to be blocked by you know police and barriers and and you're not thinking about looking much less looking and stopping you know 
Um, so the bigger the bigger a race gets, the more professional it needs to become, and that's kind of the line that a lot of these bigger races are skirting. In the U.S., is when we have their cake and eat it too, and that oh, there's no rules to gravel. It's just we're just free and wild, and it's open. But at the same time, we want to pretend like we're actual bike racers on an open course, and um, and not yeah. So it's at, at some point you figure out it be a pro race with pro cost and pro regulations, you know, or you have to recognize the limitations of regional events being regional events. And like, I think both can be positive things, but when one tries to be the other, that's when it gets a little messy. I guess that can stop the UCI from ever hosting a 200 mile gravel events. Yeah, unless it's like a bunch of circuits in like, who wants to watch that? (laughs) Yeah, but one concern that uh, some in the gravel, at least the North American gravel community had when UCI announced Worlds was like, oh, UCI is going to ruin gravel. They're going to take over and everything's going to be like this Worlds course. And that's obviously not the case. Like whatever, the UCI can do whatever they want, just like, you know, Matthews A Cycling can do whatever (laughs) they want. So I think that's going to be interesting to track as to what the popularity levels are for like the uci series the their you know the world cup series whatever they're calling it um versus other you know independent gravel races around the world you know and just let the people decide what's you know what's what's of more interest like is this a is gravel a participatory thing or is gravel a spectator thing and as of now, it's ninety nine point nine percent participatory. That said, it was cool to see Vanderpool and Davide Rebeline, <laughs> uh, you know, Pauline from you know PVP getting her fourth world title in a year. Like, yeah, that that that's cool. I mean, like that's as a fan of bike racing, I want to see the world's best racing. Like that is a cool thing. Whatever the bicycle configuration is. Um, and that is not yet regional promoters have not been able to pull that off. Like they'll bring in big names, but we haven't had all the biggest names at one start line in gravel ever, including at this last event. Right. You know, it seems like, you know, Vanderpool sort of showed up after a sponsor gave him a nudge or a beg or a bribe or whatever at the last minute. Um, so I, th- I, I do think it would still be cool to see the world's best race gravel on a cool gravel course. I'll watch that. <laughs> agree, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if it's, but, but I don't, I don't think like that's what gravel is going to be, you know, day in, day out. I think it's still going to be people like us going out and enjoying the events. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if maybe it's the same for other countries around the world, but uh, at least in the UK, you know, we, we haven't, British cycling don't recognize gravel as a form of cycling. So, we don't have an official British championships. We've got the King's Cup, which is just a self-proclaimed British championship. And then in the US, you've got the Gravel Worlds, which is completely <laughs> separate, you know. And yeah. uh, I think until all the, this is where maybe the UCI does try and need to, to get a set of rules in place that everyone agrees to. And then you've got to have nas- national federations, which, which all are able to run it. So it's, yeah, it's tricky. But it just seems to me like they've... They've seen success of what's happening in the US and I think probably now the UK as well and just thought, right, we need to get on this. The same way that they've got a Grand Fondo World Championships. And I, I mean, you tell me who the Grand Fondo World <laughs> Champion was last year. Uh, yeah. You know, it, and it, I just think that they've jumped on a bandwagon and tried to get something started. Yeah, you, you were saying before, Matt, um, and for UK cyclists, you can't qualify for the world champs, can you? You just enter it or something like that? Um, so to, to qualify for the UCI, so for last weekend, if you wanted to race that as an age group or in the elite, you would have had to have gone to another country. So there's there's no okay. qualifier within the UK. So, um, yeah, so although the King's Cup is called the British Championship and there's a lot of top guys who go down and race it, that has nothing to do with British cycling, has nothing to do with the UCI. So if you wanted to qualify, you would have had to have gone to another country, which has an official okay. qualifier. Um, and 
at the moment because Britain can't have one because of the rules and regulations we've got. We don't have a, an official British champion. And I'm sure that's the same for a lot of other countries. That's a problem, I think, going forward in terms of helping to support gravel through having a national title. Yeah, um, like what's what happens in the US? I'd, is there an, an official national championship out there? People mostly make fun of this concept is what happens in the U.S. Like, you know, the, the Gravel Worlds, <clears throat> was a great event in Nebraska, is named in a very tongue-in-cheek manner to to mock just the concepts of there being a Gravel World Championships, you know? Like, this is a fun thing. Yes, we're going to all race hard, but it's all, it's mostly amateurs out out in the, the hills getting after it. Um, and so many of these events are put together not as a well this is this is like all part of a building pyramid towards elite world competition it's like no this is like a fun regional thing that we're doing like we're it's like it's not the uh you know lasagna eating world championships or lasagna eating world qualifier like we're just having some friends over for dinner in our backyard and it's going to be nice like that's all it is everybody needs to chill out here so i think that's just the concept of having qualifiers for gravel for, it's just kind of a head scratcher for a lot of people. You know, I'd argue it's it's good to you know if you look at the list of the, these qualifiers. Like the first one was in the Philippines, Manila gravel. Like I was, remember writing the story about what the events were, and I had not heard of a single one of them. Um, and some of that could be my ignorance for sure. But it's it's not like the qualifiers were like these big events that you had heard of. In in, in the UCI's argument was like, well, we're just trying to expand cycling in general and gravel in particular all around the world. Great. Fine. That's the optimistic take, you know, the, the skeptical take is like, you're just trying to make money in different places. And, you know, but I, I'm a proponent of, you know, more, more butts on bikes. The more people that are interested in riding bikes and doing that wherever they are all for it, all for it. But the, the, just the whole system of qualifiers for world championships just seems hokey at best. <laughs> You know, it's, 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 it's just completely different than, you know, how like the selection is made for the road world championships or something, you know, where, so to give you a long one answer to a short question, Matt, like the, there was a single qualifier in the U S there's supposed to be two, one got canceled due to, I assume, lack of interest. <laughs> um, but there still wasn't enough people. Uh, it's not like all the slots were filled, like, the, the main response was that nobody cared. And so that you could still just apply, like just ride into USA cycling, dear USA cycling, I have enough money and enough interest that I want to fly to Italy to go do this thing. And USA cycling, you know, had some sort of vetting criteria. I don't know what, and that, that was how it worked, which is not, you can't for the road world championships, ride in dear USA cycling. I think it would be neat to go to Australia to race the world. So, you know, like that, I think maybe in future, if you want to get the spirit of gravel, maybe the way to to choose venues and to choose courses and things is maybe take a leaf out of um, single speed world championship mountain bike events, where you have things like drinking competitions and <laughs> uh, you know just fun things like that. I mean that's that's more the spirit of gravel than than choosing a place that pays the most. Uh, and I, I know to put a qualifier onto a UCI qualifier, it, I think you have to you have to pay in the region of thirty to fifty thousand euros, uh, plus obviously the cost of of putting it on. So it's yeah, it's it's just about money. Um, it's not about anywhere that's got a history of of gravel or or any events which are are known to be good. And I think that's probably the the first thing that needs to change. Although next year it's exactly the same venue, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah, I can't believe that same venue. Um, I don't think the UCI and Fun have ever been using the same sentence together, have they? So <laughs> <laughs> that might be a sort of a fundamental challenge here. That UCI all about you know, racing and results and giving somebody a striped jersey, rather than trying to do a positive thing for for the gravel community or for the cycling community in the way that other events do. So are we best just to ignore the UCI World Champs and? And I, I'm sure loads of the US events and will ignore it and just, it's, you know, it's over there in Europe, doesn't matter. Or do we need to do more to try and uh, encourage the UCI to go in a better direction next year or the year after? Because the UCI do have a lot of eyeballs on 
their events and lots of coverage through recycling media unless most people who are doing gravel and buying bikes aren't really consuming all that media so I, I guess my point like how big an impact does it have and it's something we need to do more to ensure it has a positive impact or whether we can just ignore it these are heavy questions. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the UCI in many ways is the you know it's the international representative is like the spokesperson f- for our sport in general. Um, and yeah, we, I would like to see cycling continue to grow. And normal people don't go from never riding a bike to shaving their legs and wearing stretchy pants and. Re- doing a 200 mile race in the middle of Kansas, right? Like there's has to be some gateway drugs and some, um, some like welcoming invitations and the UCI with its, uh, its apparatus, you know, is certainly capable of doing that. And it's not like they're the only ones, but they are a major player for sure. Um, and the f- having money, allows them to do that so it's i mean everybody myself included loves to heckle the uci um and and with good reason um but yeah i would like to see them succeed because yeah the better they make gravel look um i think that's a tide that raises all boats type of thing um so i'm certainly not cheering for them to fail Um, but at the same time i think many promoters and many in the, the gravel community are also like, Hey, you, you say you didn't make this thing <laughs> at all. This is you're showing up 11th hour trying to get in on what we have shown to be a great thing. Um, so I don't think that gravel is by any means dependent on what the UCI does or doesn't do. Like it was, it wasn't, is a super healthy thing around the world and a growing thing around the world that has had nothing to do with UCI. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure I know a lot of promoters are feeling kind of salty about that of the UCI trying to like take credit as it were for something that they, they haven't done the work on at all. So I guess it's a bit of a shame you saw, I haven't had a discussion with event organizers like Matt and all the U S organizers about their events and, and try to learn from the big community of gravel event organizers and try and absorb some of that into creating an amazing spectacle and lead by example. And they've seen gone off and done their own thing with their own sort of idea about what it should be rather than you know, collaborating with all the existing organizers and, and giving them the support. I, know, I, know, I know they've talked to some organizers for at least in, in the US. Um, okay. So you wouldn't know though, to op- watch a race. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I could say that. So, so these were, so it, although it's a UCI event, this was all run by um, a different company on behalf of the, of the UCI. So they did get in touch with ourselves and um, yeah, I would say we're, I was interested in, in looking at how to, to become a qualifier, but ultimately it just came down to price and the, the amount they're asking isn't something that your average race would be able to pay. I don't think even, even if you went to like the biggest race in the world, like Unbound, they're, you know, they're talking like 30 to 50,000 euros to become a qualifier round. I mean, are they going to pay that? Probably not. So it just comes down to, you know, you're going to have to have sponsorship from um, from your county or from your, you know, your country from the. Uh, so that's where that's where I think it's going to fall down. But I'm all for racing. Like I'm I'm a racer myself, and I love the competition. So I'd love to see this go somewhere. But they need to change the the way that they're they're choosing races, and it needs to be not on on money on who can pay the most but uh you can put maybe put in a bid and that doesn't have such a big fee attached and and if you did that then i think you'd get more places more countries applying um and then i think we see see a better event structure taking place yeah i feel like uh, most most gravel events that we're doing well prior to the UCI coming in are going to continue to do just fine. I don't think they're in any danger of being swept off the map by the bike path world championships. And (laughs) so much of the attraction for many people is, yeah, they're 
their imagination is captured by a place or by a story or something, and they want to go and do grit fest uh, for personal reasons, you know, not because they saw PVP or you know VDP blazing around on a bike path, but because this part of the world seems super cool and that seems like a hard challenge, and that'd be something they could set their mind to to train for over the winter. Um, and there's just two totally different things. So Matt, if you were given the opportunity to organize the event next year, I put money to one side and you were given the, the reins to the 2023 world champs, what would you do differently? What would you put in place to create the spectacle we all want? I think, uh, I think probably the course you, you change the, the venue to be able to get a, a more suitable course, and something that yeah, like you know, Ben's calling it the the bike path world champs, and that's what it looked like. So I'd have I'd have a wider course that was more suited to the racing that you typically see as gravel. But uh, what else? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you need to have it as as a hilly event. I think you could open it up to make it lots of different things, but it needs to be something that people want to go and do and i think it needs to have an element of being able to go out there and you know a bit like grand fondos where everyone wants to go and do it because it's a big venue you know you a big course in a nice part of the world sort of thing and i think that needs to come into to gravel a bit so um for me like i it was unluckily it was covid year but i'd entered mid-south out in america and the reason i entered that is because it just looked like a really cool race to go and do and that's what they need to try and get for UCI is you need to have people inspired to go and do these races because they're you know everything suits uh, a gravel bike <laughs> and not um, not just a course where they try and find every tiny little bit of off-road they can just for the sake of it uh, but yeah yeah I think you know what you mentioned about uh, Tour of Flanders and Peru Bay having sportives and how wildly successful those are. I think that's that's a great example of success, right? That has captured our imagination. Some have spent decades of competition on those courses, but it's the courses that that really get us fired up to go and do those things. Um, you know, atop the tour, similarly. Um, so I think that's a that, that's a great. Uh, check of the course like do i do i want to go and do that yes or no (laughs) or do writers want to go and do that and is there a way for them to do so that's not a you know extremely cost prohibitive and we've got to jump through multiple qualifiers and countries around the world hoops it's a bit sad that the three of us love gravel and neither of us are motivated to go and ride this course next year at all and i I mean ben you've been winning some races year. you probably do quite well have you had a place next year in one of the uh, age categories, but um, I doubt you'll be out there next year lining up, will you? Yeah, no, like like you guys were saying that the, the castle walls or the rampart walls or whatever, like that was cool. That was good to see. <laughs> but the rest of it, yeah, it's just... Yeah. So, so Ben, same question to you. What would you, if you were organizing it next year or advising, consulting to UCI, what would you see changed? What do you think it needs fixing? Well, you know, again, make the uh, women's and men's course equal distance. Yeah, I agree with that. That would take about four seconds to fix. <laughs> I'll just take one thing quickly on that is um, mountain yeah. biking, it's not the same, and cross is not the same, although they're time-based, so it's a little bit different. But UCI in general, they're always, um, yeah, they, so it's not just gravel. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not just gravel where the women okay, do yeah. less. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. What about for, is that the same for a marathon mountain bike? Yeah, uh, marathon mountain bike, they have a shorter distance, but I, I'm guessing that they try and base it on that they finish in the same time. But I agree, it's it's not the same, it's not a great principle. Um, I'd like to see them do the same distance as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not like there's one magic distance that needs to be, but it just seemed like it's, a, the, it's an easy win, really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think we've just come back to the same same points of like a course that captures the imagination and captures a sense of place, um, and has mass participation. Like those are 
those are the main elements in my mind. So, so quite a few issues for him to uh, work on next year then. I think we can agree on. <laughs> I mean, Dave, what would you like to see? What would be, if you could make any, if you could create anything anywhere, what would it be? Um, I think like some of the points we touched on, somewhere that inspires you, you want to go and ride there, like watching Stride Bianca, you want to go there and ride a course because it looks amazing. The riding looks exciting. They want that excitement and that spectacle and that achievement if you are riding it, that you've done something reasonably epic. And when you're watching it, you feel like they're doing something epic, not the uh, the bike path world champs as it's now been dubbed. <laughs> so, um, and and on, on gravel bikes with fat tires, not road bikes with uh, reasonably wide cross tires. So, um, and for me, I've I love gravel, and lots of people are more cynical and think it's all marketing hype and the manufacturer selling more bikes, which it, it maybe a little bit because they're trying to sell bikes what we do but i've seen it's giving more fuel to the people who are really cynical about gravel saying oh it's just boring and rubbish and and it's giving them more fuel to kind of add to their argument and not that i'm trying to win these people over but i'm i really enjoy gravel i love gravel and everybody i know who's got a gravel bike and done a gravel event like grit fest absolutely loves it and they ride gravel more in road and mountain bike now and it's just a shame to see those cynical people giving more sort of ammo so that's my sort of disappointment that it hasn't showcased gravel in the way I love gravel. And I just feel a bit sad, really, that it's been such a letdown. So, But hopefully, you know, they have plenty of room for improvement. Hopefully they listen to our Watch This podcast, listen to this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> take our feedback on board for next year. Let's hope. But it's the same venue, isn't it? So unless they can start at the castle, do a 10-hour ride and come back to the castle afterwards, maybe that's, yeah. Because it must be some amazing riding around there, getting to the hills and out through the vineyards and get away from the bike paths. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it. Anyway, I think that's a a good uh, note to finish on. So uh, thank you for your time. Been uh, fascinating to hear your insight into this uh, event and uh, fingers crossed for next year. Wow, that's a really interesting and insightful conversation. Hopefully you'll agree. Uh, thanks to Ben and Matt for taking time out of their busy schedule to chat with us here on Just Ride Bikes about their reaction to the first ever UCI Gravel World Championships. Definitely room for improvement. I think we can all agree on that. Now, at this point, I'd love to hear from you all. So feel free to leave a comment down below about your reaction to the race, whether it's positive or negative. And if you want to see a roundup of the best gravel bikes available right now then check the video right up here and don't forget to subscribe by hitting this button right here but that's all for today thank you so much for watching i'll see you again very soon